Well, welcome. Um, another Care and Prayer episode uh, this afternoon. We're going to be uh, touching on the topic of the discipline of solitude. Over the last, uh, my goodness, three weeks or so, we've uh, touched on topics that are a little more heady. You know, we dealt with the problem of evil and the problem of religion. So largely tending to some of the uh, kind of the skeptic mindset in the midst of suffering and this pandemic that we're looking at. Uh, so this morning, the discipline of solitude is actually just to be something that is very simple. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time here. It'll be a bit more brief uh, than previous uh, weeks. So... Uh, we'll take just a second for folks to kind of jump on, and then we'll get right into it. While we wait for folks, um, just another announcement for that COVID-19 relief fund. Uh, if you find yourself in any kind of physical or financial need, please uh, let us know. We'd love to help out in different ways. There are resources that the, the church body itself has been very generous, and so... Uh, don't hesitate to kind of reach out to us and uh, explain your need and, and let us know how we can uh, help you. Whether that's physical resources, groceries, getting to the grocery store or whatever, or maybe it's financial, maybe rent's coming up, or maybe there's some bills that um, kind of are difficult to pay uh, during this season. Just let us know and we'll see what we can do. So feel free to fill out that form um, and we'll try to get back to you as soon as possible. All right, so we're going to jump right into it. The discipline of solitude. When it comes to the biblical um, kind of narrative, what we come to find is that in our relationship with the Lord, uh, God gives uh, specific disciplines. Uh, you know, the, the most simple disciplines are that of Bible reading and prayer, uh, but those are just two of a whole bunch of spiritual disciplines that, that we see within Scripture. And one, one discipline that oftentimes gets lost is the discipline of solitude. Now, when you think of solitude, um, you, you, you think of somewhere peaceful that you're kind of away, you know, maybe, maybe you get away to a cabin in the Poconos and that's your idea of solitude. Maybe it's getting to the shore and that's your idea of solitude. But when it comes to the biblical understanding of solitude, it's probably not what you think. Uh, and it, it, it becomes quite relevant in a time like what we're facing right now with Corona and we have this social distancing thing, and our, our, our normal schedules are upside down. Everything's a little different, uh, and we're kind of largely spending more and more time in our homes. Uh, if you're married with your spouse, if you have kids, you know, things are getting crazy at home. You know, you got cabin fever, and there's frustrations with the spouse, and there's difficulties with the kids, and life has just put on a whole kind of different way of doing things. It's new, it's different. And I, I would believe um, the way we see the discipline of solitude in Scripture has a lot to do with the kind of context that we find ourselves in right now. Our lives have kind of been put on their head, our schedules are different, we're stuck in our homes, and in large part, that's kind of the idea that Scripture gives us when it comes to this idea of the discipline of, of solitude. 
So one of the ways that Scripture describes solitude is by way of this theme through Scripture um, in reference to the wilderness. Uh, the wilderness is where God's people experience solitude. Now, when you think of the wilderness, uh, at least the way it's described in Scripture, it is not a pleasant experience. I, I would dare say, like right now in, in this corona season, stuck in your home, there's frustrations, there's difficulties, there's, you know, all, all the runabout with the kids and their new schedules and trying to do things online and figure out homework and make sure, you know, errands are run and different things are happening. It's just a new style. It, it's a difficult place to be. We're all kind of learning how to kind of get pace uh, in this new season of life and learn new life rhythms as well. It, we could say, we could say that it's something of a wilderness experience. Things are different. Things are on, uh, on, on, on its head. So biblically, when it comes to this idea of solitude, it oftentimes relates to this wilderness experience. It's where life now is just different. Um, and in some ways, we're kind of secluded from the old way of doing life. And so we're confronted with new frustrations. We're confronted with new life rhythms. Things are just different. And so uh, when we think of solitude, we should be able to think biblically of this wilderness experience. Now, there's certain things when you see the wilderness come up in the Bible, there's certain things that God intends to do. Uh, when God sets life on its head like he has with this coronavirus, um, there's certain things that, that he intends to do. First, we see biblically um, that it's, it's a place the wilderness is a place where sometimes people go to escape life, right? They, they, they rearrange life to go escape life. Uh, life has become too difficult, so now it's, you know, maybe it is that Poconos place. Maybe it is that uh, running to the shore to just get away. It's that escape, you know? And oftentimes people will rearrange life uh, to go places to escape uh, life. We see this even in Scripture. Uh, in terms of Hagar, for instance. You know, Hagar was Abraham and Sarah's servant, and uh, so God had promised Abraham that they would have an offspring. So what does Abraham do? Well, he's not seeing the fulfillment of God's promise, so he takes matters into his own hands. He conceives with Hagar. Now, Hagar has his kid, and it creates a bunch of tension within the camp, within their home. And so uh, there's disputes between Sarah and Hagar. Eventually, what does Hagar do? She up and leaves. She runs out into the wilderness to escape the difficulties of, of life. But it's interesting, as Hagar runs, she actually uh, encounters God in the midst of the wilderness. It's where God finds her out. She's trying to get away from life. In some sense, she's trying to get lost from life, and yet it's exactly where God is finding her out. Um, the same is with Moses. We see it in his life as well. He, you know, he, he takes matters into his own hands in terms of defending God's people, the Hebrews, and he ends up killing an Egyptian. And so what does he do? He's running for his life. And where does he run? He runs into the wilderness, this place of of solitude. Uh, so he runs to the wilderness, and he, he's, in some sense, again, trying to get lost from life. 
And what happens? Well, God actually finds him out, and you have the burning bush scenario and God's call upon uh, Moses' life. Many times we run from life, right, into the wilderness. We, we, we're trying to get away from life circumstances and situations, but sometimes God thrusts that upon us like we have in our own situation with corona. We're, we're in, in a sense, a, a wilderness experience. So, the first idea is like, even in the corona season, in this wilderness uh, season, it's a place where God intends to be found. Uh, he intends to find you out. God's on the move in this season uh, to find you out. So uh, don't, don't uh, despise this season. This season is a wilderness season, but it's where God will often come and find us out. But also then, when it comes to the wilderness theme within Scripture, it's a place where God intends to give his people life. Uh, so you have other illustrations of this within, within Scripture, uh, especially the Exodus story. You know, God uh, redeems his people out of Egypt. He, he, he breaks, so to speak, the bondage that they're experiencing in their slavery. But he doesn't just take them to the promised land. He takes them on like a detour through the wilderness. And it's all intentional. Like we're facing corona right now. And I believe God has great intention in, in turning our lives upside down in some sense. And that's what he was doing. He was taking the uh, Hebrews out of their bondage. But he was, he was giving them a season in the wilderness. It was a season of, of, of solitude. Of, you know, as a people, they were alone. It, it didn't mean that they had this perfect peace that surrounded them. No, they were in the wilderness, right? So here they are in the wilderness. God has brought them out of slavery. Uh, but what is he teaching them in, in the midst of this wilderness? But he's teaching them how to depend upon him. Uh, they're, they're a people who have only known bondage. And, and really, in some sense, you know, as the saying goes, it's one thing to take the people out of Egypt. It's another thing to take Egypt out of the people. And so they, they were still living and acting like slaves. Um, you think about our situation here. Like, we, we live in a world of constant busyness and distractions and go, 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 and do, 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 and accomplish and accomplish and accomplish and run, 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 and and, and you're, you're, you're trying to live check by check at survival mode, just as it was for them in some ways. They were enslaved to Pharaoh. We oftentimes are just enslaved to our own consumerism and our own sense of busyness. We're, we're trying to live up to uh, all, all that the world says we should be. Um, and, and when then life is put on its head, it's like, well, we get some time at home. Well, that's nice. Life slows down a little bit. Well, that's nice. But now all of a sudden, we're beginning to be confronted by our own sense of enslavement to our, to our business. We're, we're seeing ourselves for what we really are. And we see that even when it comes to you know, our interaction with our spouses, where there's more frustrations, our frustrations with the kids, our exhaustion. Uh, we're just all the more seeing the nature of our hearts revealed. So something of the busyness and distraction of our normal life at times just kind of, um, in some sense, kind of dulls our, our, our heart. It busies our heart. We can't even see really the inner workings of our heart. But when life is put on its head and things slow down a little bit and we're placed in this wilderness experience, now suddenly 
Now suddenly we're seeing the reality of our true heart come out in relationship to one another in the frustrations of life. And so just as God's people were taken out of Egypt and into the wilderness, so God in some sense will change things up in our own lives to, to really like show us ourselves. He'll take us into these wilderness experiences really to die to ourselves, that we would see ourselves. You know, why did, why did God bring them out into the wilderness? Man, it was like he, 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 he you know, provides manna on a daily basis, but then says, hey, don't take any reserves, don't take any extras for tomorrow. Why? Because he's trying to teach them this, this daily death to themselves so that they could actually live in dependence upon him. They were still in survival mode. They were still in busy, busy mode. Uh, and it was God slowing them down enough to show them their heart and say, hey, this, this life is not to be bound up in the things that you know, Egypt has taught you or in our context, what this world teaches us about the busyness and the rat race of the American dream. You know, it, it, it's about seeing our own hearts and living moment by moment independence upon God. So the wilderness experience is oftentimes of one of dying to self so that we can learn how to live uh, to God. And so that's very similar to what the circumstances that we're facing even, even here now. Any thoughts? Well, so there are some other illustrations, and I think they're helpful. Uh, I don't want to belabor the point, but I think they're helpful to just recognize when it comes to this idea of this wilderness experience. Um, God will use this, this idea of the wilderness experience when it comes to God's people in exile, not only when they are um, brought out of Egypt, but also then later on in the storyline of Scripture, God's people like turn from God again. Like that's the nature of our hearts, right? And so what does God do? He brings discipline upon them. And part of that discipline is that they're actually removed from their homes, they're taken to another nation, and they end up becoming slaves to Babylon, let's say. Um, so in, in these times, what God will actually say is that his people are in this wilderness experience. He'll utilize the metaphor of wilderness to explain, like, they're, they're out of their norm of life. They're, they're under new and more difficult circumstances in some sense. Uh, and so he'll explain utilizing, he'll explain their condition utilizing the metaphor of, of wilderness. But once again, what God does is he doesn't bring us into the wilderness just to leave us there. He doesn't like put our life on, on its head in order to just like burden us with, with, with a change of life. He actually is intending to bring us life. Again, he's, he's bringing us to the end of ourselves so we might taste something of him. And so one of the ways that, uh, even in the book of Isaiah, that it illustrates this idea of the exile uh, is by way of this, this idea of, of wilderness. So Isaiah 43 says this, Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, a reference to the Exodus situation, the Red Sea in the wilderness, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior, they lie down, they cannot rise, they are extinguished and quenched like a wick. Again, the Red Sea experience in the wilderness. So it, it, 
It's the storyline of Scripture is way beyond that at this point, but God's referring back. He's saying, you're in another wilderness experience. You're in exile. Your, your life is backward, but here's who I am. I, this is the God that I am. I crush your enemies. Right? He says, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. In other words, God's saying, just as I brought my people out of Egypt, right, and I did that redemptive work, I'm doing another redemptive work in in you. He says, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? He says, I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water to the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people who I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. So what is God saying? What is this idea of wilderness? The idea is like God will upend our lives in so many ways to, to help us understand our own, our own failings, where our heart has wandered from him in different ways, but he does it so that he might bring us back to himself that he might bring water to our wilderness experience, that he might redeem us from really what is troubling uh, us. And so again, in this season, corona, life is upside down. We are, in a sense, in a wilderness uh, experience. We're in solitude, right? This wilderness solitude, it, it's, it, it's, a, it's a metaphor for this idea of I'm separated from something. I'm separated from this norm of life from the normal rhythms of life. Life has been upended. Life is different. It's difficult in new ways, but it's God who chooses in these ways to redeem us, to show us really what's going on in our hearts so that we might be a people who are redeemed by him, changed by him, and ultimately a people who declare his praise. Now, the final illustration, biblically, I mean, we, there's a ton more when it comes to the wilderness concept, but uh, Jesus, obviously, after he has been baptized, the Holy Spirit descends upon him, the Father declares his pleasure over him, but then the Holy Spirit, as Luke chapter 3 and into 4 talk about, is, is that the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness, and you, you got to be like, well, what's the point of all of this? And of course, if you know the story, Jesus goes out to the wilderness and he's tempted by Satan. And so for 40 days, 40 nights, Jesus is fasting, in enduring this temptation. Um, and the question is, is why? Well, on one hand, of course, Jesus is becoming the true Israel. He's becoming the second Adam. He, he, he's, he's succeeding in all the ways that we fail. So oftentimes when we've been placed in wilderness experiences, like we're giving in to the temptation. We're giving in to the frustrations and the impatience and, and all that. We, we, are, we are in Adam in that sense. We have failed. But what does Jesus do? He comes to be the perfect um, Savior, the one who rights all our wrongs, who walks in perfect obedience so he can become the perfect lamb who dies for us and is raised for us. Um, but, but there's, there's more here to this idea of Jesus going into the wilderness. Jesus is not just going into the wilderness to accomplish something that we can't necessarily uh, accomplish or where humanity has failed. Um, it's to say now that in Christ, yeah, we will face wilderness experiences. Uh, life will be up, upended. 
Uh, but in, in that sense, God is accomplishing something even in, in, our, in our own lives as we follow the example of Jesus, right? As we stand in his authority and his righteousness and his power, right? we, have, we have the help that we need in Christ through wilderness experiences. And so even when we are in a wilderness experience, there's going to be unique temptations. Uh, we're going to actually see our heart for what it is. So our sin and Satan, the enemy, will we'll feel in, in unique ways. And especially for some of you who are in more unique isolation, you're going to feel that all the more. You're going to be left to your own thoughts. You're going to be left to your own heart's desires. You're, you're going you're to hear the temptations of the enemy trying to bring up the past and discourage you. And, and, and it's going to be a mental heart battle that, you will, that you'll feel. This is what solitude does. This is what wilderness experiences does. It brings everything to the surface. It's, it's a battlefield. Um, as, as one has, has said, it's, it's a furnace of transformation when it comes down to it. Many of you feel that. You feel the furnace. You feel the fire. You feel the fact that this is a wilderness uh, experience. So when it comes down to it, Jesus endured the wilderness uh, experience to ultimately be our help in other words, amidst our own wilderness experiences. Uh, he's the one who can tend to us by his spirit in terms of the temptations that we face. We now have authority over the enemy who's going to be tempting us during these times. Uh, when it comes to the own, our own hearts, desires, and frustrations, Jesus is there to help us. He's there to give us eyes for what is, for what is wrong, for what needs to be changed and corrected. Again, the wilderness experience is a is intended to be an experience of transformation. Jesus is going to be there to teach us, just like he was for the, um, for the Hebrews coming out of Egypt. He was there for them again and again and again, faithfully tending to them, but teaching them afresh what it really is to walk by faith or dependence upon him. So again, the idea is don't despise this season. See this season in the category of this discipline of solitude. See it as, as the idea of, of wilderness, that we're in a wilderness experience at this point, right? And, and in this season, like, God will find you out. In this season, Jesus is there to care for you. So your mindset then should, should simply be this. What, you know, why, why do things go to the wilderness, Things go to the wilderness ultimately to die, right? You, that's, where you, that's where you find the carcasses, right? That's where death, that's, that's the, the metaphor for death. You go to the desert to die. You go to the wilderness to die. When it comes to this discipline of solitude, when it comes to God thrusting us into these wilderness experiences, there is a real death that is to uh, take place. And, and for us, it's a death to ourselves, right? Jesus will say, like, hey, if you're going to follow me, take up your cross daily. Like, make sure you're, you're about the work of dying to self on a daily basis. And what the wilderness experience does is it just exemplifies all the more, it exaggerates, so to speak, all the more the fact of our, our selfishness, our impatience, our... Uh, on all the ways that we're so easily frustrated. 
And so this discipline of solitude, this wilderness experience, is for the purpose that we might die to ourselves. And where we can die to ourselves, Jesus says, oh, I intend to bring life to you. So it's death to ourselves that we might live for Christ. So when it comes to solitude, it is not like, it is not the idea of, you know what, I just need my own little rest. I need my own little spiritual time away with the Lord. It's not this idea of, as, as one has illustrated, like it, it, the corner of the boxing ring where I go to like get my uh, you know, muscles massaged and my wounds kind of oiled up and tended to. That's not necessarily the idea of, of the wilderness experience or this discipline of solitude. The discipline of solitude is stepping into the battle. It's stepping into the, the tensions, right? And, and, and life has been turned on its head, and in some ways God has thrust us into this experience now where we in, are inevitably confronted with ourselves. But as we are confronted with our, our, our sinful selves, as we're confronted with the temptations of the enemy, it's time to die to ourselves, do battle against the enemy, so that we might learn in some sense to be more and more conformed to the person of Jesus Christ. He is with you. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Th those temptations... Those temptations are mere lies while they feel like they have power, while they feel like they have such sway over us. Uh, folks, the Spirit of God is eager to bring truth to bear, right? And demonstrate his own power to see us brought through those, those uh, temptation fires, right? So God is on the move. So I, ch I challenge you, uh, the corona season is not a season you know, to sit back and just be like, well, I'm going to rest and relax and get through X amount of Netflix series. Um, this time is a time to do battle with our own hearts. It's a time to do battle against the enemy so that Christ might be formed in us. Don't waste the season. I, I challenge you, just like you would kind of put on lenses to rightly see something. Like, this is part of putting on the lenses to rightly see the situations that we face. That we would embrace this discipline of solitude, that we would embrace the wilderness experience as those who are now intentionally seeking to die to self so that Christ uh, might be formed in us. Any thoughts? All right. Just... Simple, simple stuff, hopefully. Um, to get into just kind of some of the practicals offhand, um, you know, may, maybe this is, is, is writing down at the end of the day, like, man, where, where, were, the, where were the frustrations really felt? Were, were they felt in relationship to your kids? Uh, were they felt in relationship to... Um, you know, all the errands that you're trying to run around and get done. Like, it, it may be helpful to just, at the end of the day, like, recount, man, where, where was I frustrated? Where was my heart discouraged? And then ask the question, why? Or what was I wanting in those moments? You know, I was wanting peace. I was wanting my kids to just obey. I was wanting comfort. I was wanting rest. Well, once again, like, when you get down to the wants of your own heart, that there is, there is now a place where we can start really doing battle. 
Um, because tho those wants and desires now need to be discerned in light of truth, right? Who is our true comfort and who is our true rest? Well, Jesus is saying, I want to be that for you, even in the midst of those tensions and, and those potential frustrations where the kids aren't listening or when things aren't going the way we would have hoped. So in, in some sense, like, it's important to identify where these frustrations are coming into place, seeing then what exactly is my heart wanting in those moments. An illustration for, you know, my own experience is, you know, we're still watching the twins. Um, and so as we're caring for the twins, late night or early morning feedings can just be an utter frustration, right? It's, it's like I have absolutely no patience within myself when it comes around to like quarter to five in the morning where you're in this, this, this dead sleep, you know, and you're hearing the screaming and shouting and you just got to bed at 1 a.m. from the last feeding and trying to get everyone settled. And so you're exhausted, you're tired, and you're hearing these cries and the cries just aren't stopping. And it's this moment of incredible frustration where, where patience, I, I can't muster up any patience in those moments. But those are divine encounters. Those are wilderness-like experiences that are intended to be divine encounters. That God is showing us something of our own heart in the midst of, you know, so to speak, our weaknesses. Um, where he, he wants to be the patient. He wants us to learn something of himself. So as, as I've tried to battle through this, and Jody could attest, like, I'm, I'm not doing very well. Uh, but uh, in the midst of it, it's like, I, there, there's an encounter with God to be had. What did Jesus do? He, he came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So, so to get up even in the middle of the night and to serve these little kids in, in need, although they might be screaming, you know, and oh, so frustrating in the moment, uh, there's something of Jesus to be realized that, you know, he... He came to us in our screams and our moans and our rejection of him and our and our brokenness and in our wailing uh, and and he came to to us to serve us not to be served but to serve so there's something of Jesus to be uh, experienced in a new way like man like Jesus was willing to set himself aside in order to serve me in his weakness. Like, he knows weakness. He came in our limitations. This just wasn't Jesus, like, winning the day easily. This He went through all the temptations that we face, um, and yet in that, then, we, we can know that as in a moment of frustration and, and trying to learn patience, it's, it's I'm, I'm seeing something of Jesus in a new way. I'm translating my experience into, like, what Jesus experienced in some sense was uh, as he demonstrated service and care uh, to us in our need. And so that there's the transition, like, all right, Lord, now, now I want to put on that kind of service. Uh, uh, this is for you. I want to counter something of you. I want to live like you so that even quarter to five in the morning or uh, even earlier, in, in the wee hours of, of the morning that, that I'm thinking Christ, I'm thinking about his life and attempting by his grace to walk that out, even in those kind of frustrations. Uh, so that's just basic, practical stuff. That Maybe it's to identify where these frustrations are coming in. Maybe it's to write them down. Maybe it's to ask, why am I desiring? You know, like, what's the desires behind those frustrations? What am I wanting in the moment? 
And what really is Jesus for me in, in those moments? So that then I can be putting on Christ and thinking about him and considering the patience and uh, provision that he gives me uh, moment by moment in those circumstances. So, all right, any thoughts? You got anything? <laughs> What's up, Building 28? Good to see you guys on here. All right, so we're going to transition just into praying a little bit. If you have even, even uh, you know, as we're jumping into prayer, and, and you have questions about this discipline of solitude, which is really not often... Uh, solitude, it's wilderness, right, um, and what God intends to teach us in the midst of it. But uh, as we go to prayer, and if there's any questions, if you want more practicals or you want clarification on stuff, uh, feel free to um, even throw those questions out there. Um, but we're going to be praying specifically for freedom for those encountering kind of like the old self and their demons in this wilderness experience, right? Um, you're, you're seeing your sin, and you're discouraged by it, but you're also maybe encountering some unique temptations uh, along the way. And folks, like, in these seasons, especially those who are experiencing unique isolation, um, you are going to, you're going to be thinking about the past, why life hasn't gone the way it is, and, or, or why life hasn't gone the way you would hope it to go, and, um, you know, you're, you're going to be thinking and processing. You're going to be left to your thoughts in, in some way. And so um, it's important that we would just kind of intercede uh, for you, that there would be freedom um, as you kind of encounter the old self and perhaps kind of the, the demons of, of the wilderness experience. You know, one of the things that I guess I skipped over a little bit, um, but the wilderness experience is where our demons are, are, are um, yeah, experienced. Uh, when it comes down to it, you know, th whether it's the language of how Scripture describes demons, scorpions and serpents, or whether it's even Old Testament, there's references, even in the uh, Isaiah 43, to jackals and ostriches and, and, and whatnot. These are, these are wilderness or desert creatures um, but when you get into some of the deeper study on what those things symbolize, it oftentimes symbolizes kind of agents of darkness or the demonic. And so um, the wilderness experience is oftentimes an experience with our own demons, so to speak. It's, it's where, you know, Jesus would even say, as, as demons are cast out, well, where do they go? Do they go to the waterless places, the deserts, and they roam around only then to look to return to, to their host, you know, and, and so there's, there's different uh, ways, even, even the demoniac, um, he was driven into the desert or into the wilderness uh, by demons again and again, so that, that's not to get all mystical and, and, and weird, it's just simply to say when life is kind of turned on its head and we're experiencing these wilderness experiences, um, it, it's going to, there, there's going, we're going to be facing our demons in kind of unique ways. There's going to be unique temptations that we, that we face. So we're going to be praying for those, kind of in, encountering their own frustrations, seeing their own heart in, in, in perhaps pretty vivid ways, um, but also then praying for those who are uh, being kind of tempted by the demonic. 
Uh, but then also, on the flip side of things, we also just want to continue to uh, pray for the safety and strength of healthcare care workers uh, during this season. I know a lot of folks who are working long, hard hours um, uh, amidst all of this, and so we just want to uphold you and, and ask God's blessing upon you. Which one do you want to go for? just want to read before jumping into prayer from the book of first Peter love these verses from chapter one he says blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ according to his great mercy he's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that's imperishable it's undefiled it's unfading and when it comes to the wilderness he says that it's kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. We're those individuals who are in the wilderness, but we're being guarded by God's power. And then he says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's all about the praise and the honor and the glory of Jesus Christ as we walk through this wilderness. So, Lord, our Lord Jesus, our precious Savior, we come before you today recognizing that you're the one who who sympathizes with our weaknesses. You're the, the great high priest who has walked through that wilderness. Even before you walked through that wilderness on earth as a human being, you walked through that wilderness with your people time and time again. That cloud and that fire leading your people through the wilderness. And Lord, you took on the weakness of our flesh to then bear all of our burdens to carry those burdens to the cross and to defeat every enemy. So, Lord, we come before you just asking for your help. Again, you've, you've told us to come humbly before your throne to ask for grace when we need it. So that's what we're doing this morning. We're asking you for, for grace during this time of need. And, Lord, as we walk through these times of isolation and solitude and wilderness and struggle, those times bring up all of our weaknesses to the surface. They bring up past temptations. They bring up past failures. And so, Jesus, we're asking for just an extra measure of um, an understanding of that guarding that you're doing for us. You're guarding us by your power through your spirit. And so, Lord, would you help us to understand that, to see that more, to, to lift up our eyes from the present difficulties, the present struggles, the present battles, and to look to the hills where our help comes from, to see that in your power, you're guarding us, you're protecting us, you're keeping us, you're holding us, and you're refining us through these times. So, Lord, we ask for a specific protection spiritually from accusation from the enemy. We ask for um, a sense of freedom of our identity in you, Jesus, that we would um, not be condemned by past mistakes, 
that we wouldn't give in to past temptations that are surfacing. Um, but Lord, that we would press into your spirit, that we would walk by your spirit, that we might not gratify those fleshly desires, that we would um, press into our unity with you, Jesus, that we would depend on you. And just like the, the Israelites had to go out and they had to get just enough for that day, Lord, would we, during this time, depend on you entirely just for what we need for today? And, and uh, those needs are so real right now for many people who have lost jobs or been laid off. The numbers don't make sense. They don't line up on paper. Depression is at hand. And Lord, we, we look at these difficulties and it doesn't make sense. So help us to depend on you and your grace and your mercy just to get us through the next moment, the next hour, the next day. Lord, that's, that's what we want us to be, people who are so dependent on you that we don't have to have anxiety, we don't have to fear, we don't have to give in to these weaknesses, but we know that you're our rock. There's no rock like our God. So Spirit, would you help us, enable us to trust more, draw us out deeper into walking by faith and to, to walk in that hope, our living hope of our salvation that's going to be revealed fully at some point. Lord, help us, help us to hope in that. Help us to walk through this time for the praise and the honor and the glory of you, Jesus. And even as we think about how to receive rest and how to receive ease from difficulty. Lord, would we seek that ease and that relief in you and nothing else. Again, Lord, we ask for spiritual protection. We ask that you would deliver us from temptation, enable us to walk away from temptation, and give us a hunger to know you more. Give us a hunger to spend our, our time in solitude with you not to spend that time focusing on entertainment and media, um, but that we would spend this time with you, Jesus. And we thank you so much for just the, the individuals who are here now listening, watching. I pray for protection for them. I pray for blessing in their lives. Um, think of the Building 28 crew, Lord. Would you bless their church? Thank you so much for all the ways they've blessed us. And they've been supporting us, and we thank you so much for that, Jesus. Would you bless them in return? Would you strengthen their church, strengthen their leadership, strengthen the unity of their body for your glory, Jesus? We ask all these things in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Father, we, we, we thank you. We thank you for wilderness experiences. Thank you that you sometimes will thrust us into those wilderness experiences, but only so that we might come to encounter you. And even when perhaps we, 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 we run into the wilderness to escape life, thank you that even there you will oftentimes find us. You'll, you'll seek us out and uh, you'll reveal something of yourself uh, to us. So God, thank you that you uh, pursue us uh, whether it's by our own initiative or sometimes by your own initiative, you come after us uh, with incredible love. Um, 
God, thank you that you're aware of, of the one who is even distant, that you would leave the 99, you'd go after the one. Um, God, I just pray specifically for the, the one. Though they, they feel as though they're lost and alone uh, during this time. Um, God, I pray something of your heart, even as we pray, would be known to them. That, that your presence is with them, that uh, you surround them as, as the walls surround Jerusalem, so you surround your people. You, you are our hiding place. You do surround us with shouts of deliverance. And so, uh, God, may your presence be, be known to them during this time, that although they may feel in some real ways that they are isolated, may they not feel as though they are isolated from, from you. Um, may your presence shine through uh, their darkness. And God, I do pray for um, many who are on the front lines of this disaster. God, I, I, I thank you for um, not only the hard work that they're putting in, the sacrifice that they're laying down for the good of one another, but God, I thank you that in this there is such a clear demonstration of the gospel at play. Thank you, Jesus, that you did not come to be served, but to serve. You, you came to be loved, self-giving agape love to us. That you're a one who steps, steps out, of, out of your own uh, comfort, so to speak, your, your place of glory, and you come down to us in, in our circumstances, in our sin, in our brokenness, when we would push back on you, you still came after us. When we would uh, even, um, yeah, take those nails to your hands, God, thank you that you would, you would give of yourself constantly, constantly. Thank you even as John 13 says that you, you, you loved your disciples uh, unto the end. It was relentless. It never stopped. So Jesus uh, thank you for these healthcare workers. Uh, thank you for the work that they're doing, but also the example. Would you be seen in all of this? Um, for those who may be working ever so hard, but they don't know you, we pray that in some way they would come to know you, that the one who they are uh, really exemplifying in their work would be the one who they, they ultimately encounter, that the true physician would be encountered, that the true servant would be encountered. And so, God, we, we ask your common grace blessing upon them, but we also ask that in this season there would be a great number of souls safe uh, in, in, in the healthcare uh, world there, all the servants that are there. And I, God, I pray that you would raise up little evangelists here and there. I pray that you would establish kind of prayer circles within the hospitals, and, and, and I pray that your mission would move forward on those front lines. And so, God, I pray even then that the church would do its due work in upholding by way of intercession, upholding these folks as they go in on a regular basis, giving of themselves, risking their own health uh, for the sake of others. So, God, we just pray that you would do um, a special work uh, among them. And our God, we, we do even now just kind of lastly intercede for our little church family. God, I pray, I pray that this season would not be 
wasted, that it would not just get flushed away into um, endless seasons of Netflix or whatever it is. Uh, God, I, I pray that you would um, grab a hold of our hearts. Um, perhaps, may, you know, God forbid that you would, you would um, take this season and draw it out. Um, but God, if, that, if, if that's what is necessary for your church in some sense to to wake up or in some sense to be refined by God, refine us. God, bring us into holiness. Bring us into what truly matters. Take us away from the things that have so often distracted us, from the things that consume our attention other than, that, than you, God. We want our hearts bound to you. So if you're gonna, if you're gonna keep us in this wilderness, we, we pray that uh, there would be much death to self, that self would be mortified so that the life of Christ might truly be embraced, that we might truly be people who know something of your peace, that we might know something of your own heart, and, and, and so that our, our hands would even move at the impulse of your love, that we would be a people that um, are, are radically changed during this season, but radically changed into active mission and compassion upon those who, who are in need and who um, uh, need to come to know you. So, God, we pray, we pray that you would do this, this special work. So, God, we pray blessing upon all those who've, who've listened in. I pray that uh, something of truth might resonate in their hearts and minds by your spirit. And so, just ask your blessing upon them. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. I got a question from Carlos. Yeah. So, Carlos, uh, thanks for asking that. The question is, what are we doing uh, to serve the neighborhood during this time, and how can uh, you guys be praying for us? Right now, uh, we've primarily just set up a COVID-19 relief fund, and so we're, we're just seeking to get out the word uh, that we were eager to serve physical and financial needs, and so there's been some, um, some incredible generosity on the part of some folks within the church uh, to provide funds for that to take place. And so we, we have not necessarily run into a significant amount of need, but probably within the next month we'll see a, a significant uptick in, in folks um, yeah, uh, coming to us with requests. And so we, we, we've anticipated that as a, as a church body, but also know that Many of our, our neighbors will be uh, struggling. There's also some food pantries that have been uh, set up in the area, so there's ways that we can potentially even uh, get connected with them and be, be serving uh, in those ways. So th that's some of the ways right now that, that, we're, uh, that we're going about just kind of serving the neighborhood. All right, the link is coming coming your way, so I'll throw up the link um, to ways that folks can give uh, to that, as well as uh, I think the form is already on there, somewhere in the description. Ah, uh, man. 
as, as James is doing that, one last burden uh, pastorally, um, and it's kind of two in one. Uh, I'd really encourage you folks uh, during this time, I, I know there's, uh, for many of, of, of you folks, there's, there's a lot of downtime. Um, and, and, and for others, just a different, different kind of rhythm now of, of life that you're experiencing. Work continues, but work continues at home, for instance. Um, and I just encourage you, for those of you who, um, yeah, may, may, may struggle in some ways, and this is just where my heart's at, so I'm going to step into it. Uh, nicotine and alcohol. Um, just to say, like, you know, as Paul says, he, he doesn't want anything to uh, physically be bound to. He wants to be free in every way, and so he's very careful. Not to say that all that stuff is wrong, but it, it, it's to recognize that it's important to die to ourselves so that we, we, we know that we can say no to those kind of things, that we're not bound by those things. And you say, well, those are just physical things. You know, they're, they're just physical comforts. Physical comforts always have implications for our spiritual well-being. You cannot disconnect them. So uh, when it comes to this season, it may be some extra downtime. I would just kind of place that pastoral caution before you and say, make sure you are walking in discernment. Make sure that you are dying to yourself. Make sure that you know that you can say no and perhaps actually do. Like say, hey, I, I want a little bit more time with the Lord. I want to bring a little more sense of discipline to the wants and desires of my heart. I'm going to say no to these things. And if you haven't said no to those things in a while, it may be a good thing to just say, Lord, I, I want to give this to you as an offering of worship. I'm, I'm going to, I'm for, for a set amount of time, I'm not going to participate in, in those things uh, for now because I want to assure that my, my heart can say no to those things. So I, I just encourage you, and I've been actually personally just praying along those lines. Those, those are things that I think um, can, can oftentimes encumber us in our spiritual walk. Uh, in ways that we don't necessarily recognize. Um, and so just, just to throw that caution uh, before you. Also, uh, why not? Uh, also, if, if you haven't been connecting via Zoom throughout midweek uh, gatherings, I'd strongly encourage you to uh, be connecting in some way. And if it's schedule that kind of gets in the way of some of that, I'd just be be actively reaching out to one another. Just text, uh, you know, maybe it's texting a few guys, a few gals throughout the week to just stay connected, to ensure that in some ways, uh, like maybe it's just saying, hey, I'm struggling with this. Just If you could just keep me in prayer, that'd be super helpful. Maybe you had a little devotional where it was a little verse or a phrase that really stuck out to you. Just bless someone else. It, it doesn't have to be prophetic or anything like that. Just pass it on to the next person. If it, if it was something that fed your soul, it, it's now time to, like, give it away. Uh, so uh, when it comes down to it, make sure you're pressing into community, even in some of those simple ways. All right. I think that does it.
So thanks for joining us. Uh, we will not have uh, worship tomorrow, but hopefully next Friday we'll be doing worship again. So the next time we'll see you online is Sunday. We'll catch you then. Peace.